What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. That's 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 22 through 23. And in the New Testament parables, Jesus affirms the importance of obeying God. So today, we're going to talk all about that. I am Doug Jones, and that guy sitting across from me with his hair flowing ever so gently... A speckled window behind him it's as been this raining. rainy Southern California storm passes overhead is Jason Wheeland. Yeah. It's good to have you with me yet again, dude. And we are? We're Doable Discipleship. <laughs> it's a Saddle by Church podcast oh. designed to help you deepen your friendship with God, but we like to call it... The show that helps you grow. I had to lob that one up there for you. I was going to get there, right. but It you didn't feel me. like it. It didn't feel like it. Okay. Um... Friends, we have a couple of things that we want to make sure you are well aware of um, that are coming up, um, specifically on the Lake Forest campus. We have, uh, I I believe today, if you're listening to this on day of release, is the 22nd. It's a Tuesday, the 22nd, which means tomorrow, the 23rd, starts Foundations at our Lake Forest campus. So if you, um, specifically, as we're doing two weeks on the Bible, come and learn about the Bible, about... um, Everything about it. <laughs> the, wow, the, you're selling it. Yep, selling it hard. Um, about about um, how we know we have the right books, how the Bible was put together. A, a real good history lesson about about um, about how it was um, translated and how it how it's been handed down over generations. Uh, a really great in depth look at the Bible, the 23rd and the 30th of January, and then mark your calendars too for February 6th starts uh, another round of the Bible experience. We talked about this last year when we did our first launch of that, and we're are offering it again. It's four weeks, uh, in-depth look at, at Bible study, how to uh, dig a little deeper in your personal Bible study. I think that's what I got. Okay, we'll link those in the show notes, by the way. Perfect. All right, um, this is now part four of our series looking at the parables of Jesus. Um, I know that you guys have been enjoying it. We've heard some, we've seen some great comments. We know that this has been a really um, great topic that you guys have been f- uh, finding really interesting. So we're excited to continue it. We have a few more weeks of this. Um, if you're just joining us, by the way, go back and listen to the f- previous three episodes, beginning with episode 84 called The Power of the Parable. Um, today's theme, as Doug alluded to in the pre intro, is The Lord Desires Obedience. Right. One of the signature objectives of Jesus' teaching was to integrate people by bringing the various aspects of their lives into alignment. He realizes that people are multifaceted, and he wants to make sure that we are all aligning every part of ourselves um, with God. And he urged people to bring bring all these different parts under God's authority. That was that that was a major part of what Jesus taught throughout the Gospels. And the true fact of this is, is believing in God is not enough. The scripture even says, talks about how Satan believes in God. So, you know, that's, but it's not enough. <laughs> um, going to church, not enough. Acting religious, not enough. 
the Lord requires obedience, obedience from the heart. And it's it's really, it's looking at things a different way. It, it may be taking this idea of, oh, I do this, I do this, I do this, and flipping it on its head. And it's really getting at what you believe. So in today's parable, Jesus speaks to the religious teachers and the elders about what true obedience to God is. All right, let's take a look at uh, at a parable called the parable of the two sons. And this comes from Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 through 32. It's a little bit of a shorter one this week, but you know, Jesus doesn't need a whole lot of uh, verses to get his point across. Uh, he does it pretty concisely here, but really powerfully, I think. So I'll read that uh, now, and then we'll kind of break it down. A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the older son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father? So Jesus is asking these teachers of religious law. Which of the two obeyed his father, he asked. They replied, the first. Then Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth. Corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him, while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. So this is a parable that, you know, if you're just listening to it in the car or something like that, if you don't have this parable right in front of you, it can be a little bit confusing. So we're going to walk through it step by step, break it down and make sure you kind of get the thrust of what Jesus is saying here. All right, let's break it down now, y'all. Um, Jesus describes two sons, right? It's called the parable of two sons. So so let's look at each of these two sons. The first son is rebellious at first, but then turns and does what is right, okay? At first, he is extremely, or I'm sorry, he's externally <laughs> disobedient. He, he actively does what he is not supposed to. He goes against what he is told to do. Just flat out says... I won't do it. Yeah, says, no, thank you. Um, But in the end, he undergoes an internal change and obeys his father. Um, In other words, he has a change of heart. Whereas the second son, he responds dutifully at first, but he never actually obeys. He simply tells his father what he wants to hear without actually following through on his father's command. Uh, So in other words, he is externally obedient, but we later find out that it was actually just a facade. He tried to appease his father with his lips without actually obeying from the heart, right? <clears throat> so when Jesus asked the religious leaders which of the two of these sons actually was obedient to the father, they actually answered correctly. So if you've ever read this parable before or you're, you were listening to it just a second ago as I read it, you might be like, it seems like they answered the cor- the question right. Why did Jesus jump all over him? <laughs> wait, 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 wait a second. <laughs> yeah, they said the first son, the son who said initially that he wouldn't go, but then went and did it anyway, was the son that was more obedient than the one who said, yeah, I'll go, but then just flat out didn't do it. <clears throat> so they realized that the first son was more obedient than the second son, but he wanted to take him a little bit further than that. He just didn't want to leave it there because that wasn't the point he was driving at. What he wanted them to realize was that they were like the second son, that they, the Pharisees, the religious teachers, the elders, were outwardly obedient, so very religious, very strict about the law of Moses, all that kind of stuff, but that they were inwardly disobedient, that externally they seemed righteous, but on the inside, things were not so good, that they were actually disobedient 
uh, at, at the deeper level. Notice, looking back at what Jesus says, then Jesus explained his meaning, I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of heaven before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him, while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. So there was a turning that happened, Jesus is saying, in the hearts and minds of many notorious sinners, but these guys were uh, unwilling to do it. And the key word here that we're talking about is, is repent. That is the key word. And to repent means to turn away, or in another translation, it means, um, it means to change one's mind. And in repent, um, you've, you may have heard Pastor Rick talk about this word before. He likes to talk about it as like, it's, it's often now seen as a bad word, um, as a, as a word that is, is forced on you. Like you need to repent all that, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of language. Like religious jargon. Like religious jargon. But, but repent really is talking about a changing of the heart. It's, it's a turning away. It's a changing one's mind. And when we repent, we turn away from an old way of thinking and an old way of living and instead we turn to God. That's what repentance in Scripture is talking about. It's turning away from from the ways of the flesh, if you will, and, and then turning towards God. And repentance involves recognizing and expressing our guilt to God so that we can be forgiven and healed and reconciled with him. What's great about repentance is it's working towards this idea of reconciliation. It's turning away from our own will and instead turning towards God's will. And this is a kind of healing and reconciliation that most of the Pharisees would would honestly would never find. Why is that? Well, because they refused to confess their sins and accept God's message of forgiveness. They rejected John the Baptist, and now they were rejecting Jesus because they were focused on the external, on making sure that they were doing literally <laughs> what, what you know, is o- obeying, but their hearts were completely turned away. Um, and that is, and, and that's what we're getting at in this parable. And, and in you, fact, they were even obeying extra laws that they had made up. Yeah. You know, there were like age old traditions that they used to accuse his disciples of not doing and he and his disciples of not doing. And Jesus is like, you're over here busting my chops about, <laughs> this is the Doug Jones paraphrase, by the way. Uh, that's a good one. <laughs> Jesus is like, you're over busting here my chops. <laughs> busting our chops because we're not obeying all your fancy rules, most of which you made up yourselves. These are man-made traditions. And all the while you're actually disobeying the law of God about how you should treat you know, the poor and vulnerable and that kind of stuff. So Jesus is like, you're over here obeying something that makes you look pious on the outside, but inside you're you're no good. And that's what Jesus is getting at here is he explains to them that even the world's most obvious sinners, like in, in this in that day and age it was the prostitutes and the tax collectors, they were better off than the self-righteous Pharisees. And this is why Jesus said, so those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. And that's found in Matthew 20, 16. That's not just referring to like like your literal place in line. Like I know it's a line that we like to use all the time. Like, hey, like, you know, I, I'm last in line, but you know the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Yeah. It's, it, Jesus is referring to something a little different here, but yeah. we get it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, another way that Jesus refers to obedience elsewhere, he, he compares it to bearing fruit. 
<clears throat> and so uh, I want us to look at another passage real quick as we as we kind of move into the next part of, of this talk for today um, about this fruit-bearing idea. And it comes from Matthew chapter 7, verses 17 through 23, and it's not the only place that we read about uh, fruit being produced in people uh, in the New Testament, but this is uh, actually one of the first times we see that coming up because it's Jesus himself instituting this, this idea. And this is what he says, Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 17. It says, a good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Not everybody who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Other translations say, get away from me, you evildoers. So Jesus is really identifying uh, something really important and I think... uh, poignant here. I think this is poignant, don't you think? Oh, most definitely. Making sure I'm using that word right. Sometimes I don't. I like the word poignant. And according to Jesus, both good trees and bad trees produce fruit. So sometimes we say like, well, you know, if if someone's not really walking with the Lord, they won't produce any fruit. Well, that's not actually what Jesus says. What Jesus says is good trees and bad trees both produce fruit. The issue is that not all fruit, which in this case is the deeds that are done, are acceptable to God. Jesus's point is the same is that some fruit looks good on the outside but will eventually be proven to be rotten. So externally it might appear really good. Looking back at verse 22 it said on judgment day many will say to me lord lord we prophesied in your name we cast out demons we perform many miracles those are, those all appear to be really good fruit. But Jesus is saying even things as high and spiritual as prophesying and casting out demons and performing miracles may in the end be proven to be bad fruit. So it was fruit, just wasn't good fruit that was acceptable to the Lord. So externally it might appear good, while in reality it's unacceptable to God. Just makes me think of cherries. Cherries? Yeah, I, they um, look good, but they're bad fruit. Cherries? <sighs> How dare you say that? I love well, cherries. I think the Lord finds them unacceptable. <laughs> he created them <laughs> just to hate them. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. I but... picture more of a tree. I, I, I'm picturing this more of a... I don't yeah, know. Aren't maybe cherries like on a bush or something. Apricot or something like that. I think cherries. No, cherry trees. Oh yeah, they cut down the cherry. Remember George tree. Washington. George Washington. <laughs> that Washington. Lore. That's true. I don't. Anyway, um, so obviously you're probably asking yourself now, how can I know whether the fruit I'm producing is is good? Is, ask yourself these two questions: Do I live my life in obedience to God? And then is my obedience rooted in my love and adoration of Jesus or is it only superficial religion or self-service? In other words, are, are you obeying God? Are you being obedient because you love Jesus and because you want to follow him and because you want to obey him? Or are you doing it in order to, to achieve something? Are you doing it in order to get good marks, if you will, and just trying to, you know, make better of yourself. In other words, are you trying to bring 
glory to God or are you trying to bring glory to yourself? Mm. And these are tough questions. They really are. They're very deep, personal questions, but they're questions that are really important for each one of us to spend time wrestling with and doing some self-evaluation of, uh, you know, of looking at your heart and really looking at what is your heart truly for and what is your heart truly after? Is it after Jesus or is it after yourself? That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, this, I mean, if you're like me, when I read a, a passage like this, it kind of, I'll be honest, it kind of puts a little bit of fear in me because I read this and I think, mm-hmm. whoa. Uh, so all these things that Jesus is talking about, casting out demons and prophesying and all that stuff is very Doing spiritual miracles. stuff. It's like, yeah, this is incredible stuff. And even that may be proven to be false obedience in the end. And it makes me really think like, whoa, okay, what kind of position does it put me in? It makes me kind of get a little bit freaked out about looking at my motives and thinking mm-hmm. about, am I really obeying God with the things that I do? Am I obeying him in the way I do ministry and the way I love my family and that kind of stuff? Um, and I think a healthy amount of vigilance is is good on this. And I think Jesus was deliberate. I mean, we talked last week about, about the seriousness of God and how um, Jesus did not mince words when it came to the importance of obedience and submission to God and, f- and following him, um, you know, passionately and, and with tremendous loyalty. Um, but I think like Jason said, like, we just need to be asking ourselves some penetrating questions and be thoughtful about the things that we do and why we do them. Because what we, what we may find out is that in doing certain deeds, we may actually be serving ourselves instead of serving others. I mean, Paul condemned people in the New Testament, these teachers who would go around teaching about Jesus and stuff, but they were fleecing the flock, according to Mm -hmm. him. They were going around trying to make a name for themselves, trying to be somebody. And they were glomming on to the fame of Jesus and the growing movement of Christianity in that day. And they were really only serving themselves. Even though they may have been preaching the good news, they, um, they weren't doing it in a way that was pleasing to God. So again, just fruit that will be proven bad. Yeah, spoiler alert is next week, we're going to talk about the things that God says that don't impress me much. Yeah. And, and fame is one of them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, next week we're talking about uh, the theme of Jesus' parables that the Lord looks at the heart. Uh, and we're going to dig into that in a lot more depth. Anyway, let's let's move on. We talked about these two questions. So do I live my life in obedience to God? And is my obedience rooted in love for him or love for myself? Now, let's look at some biblical examples of superficial obedience. They're the typical ways that people uh, go wrong in this area. And so the first one, I'm superficially obedient if I obey God only with my lips. In other words, if I if I am keen to use pious words, but they don't actually reflect my true intentions or my true motives. So check out uh, Isaiah 29, 13. It's, it puts this, I think, really well. And the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. So God, not only in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament as well, condemns people's you know, pious words and, and lip service, as, as it's sometimes called in different translations of the Bible, where they come and they... they, they act all religious, and they say all the right religious things, but in reality, they're not actually loving God and serving Him. Yes, and 
number two then is obeying only with my hands. And again, we're emphasizing the only. It's, it's if you're only obeying with your lips, you're only obeying with your hands. That's an, an example of superficial obedience. You should be obeying with your hands, but not of course. only. And with your lips, right. And with your lips. And like you, you said earlier, you talked about integration earlier, like, that Jesus sought to integrate people and bring every area of their life under the kingship of God. And so, yeah, you're right. The, the only word is operative here. Of course, God should have control and dominion over our, our lips and the words we choose and the hands, the deeds that we do. Yes. Um, and a great example of, of what we're talking about is in Hosea 6.6. 6. Uh, it says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. And that's just explaining what God truly wants. He wants us. He wants our heart. He doesn't just want the acts and the deeds. He wants yeah. everything that we are. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to draw us in, in relationship and then all the other transformation flows out of that. We're going to touch on that big time next week. All right. So we can't obey with just our lips. We can't obey with just our hands and we can't obey with only our heads in the knowledge area. Uh, sometimes we think because we have all the knowledge of the Bible or we, we, um, you know, <clears throat> we can kind of sit high on a pile of, of accumulated facts and things like that, that that makes us spiritual or that makes us, you know, uh, it puts us in a position that, that pleases God. That's not the case. First Corinthians 8, 1 through 3 says, while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. That is the key phrase that kind of gets it everything we've been talking about today. The person who loves God is the one who God recognizes. Not all the, just the superficial deeds, but the real person. And so really this episode that we've just been doing ties in really well with next week's because mm -hmm. the underlying here, the, you know, the foundational point we're getting at is that God desires true obedience, which begins in the heart. This means that my motives are just as important as my actions. And that's something that we need to remember. God can see and knows the motives. God looks at the heart. He does not just see what we do. It's what we just talked about. It's not just about the burnt offerings, it, as the verse just mentioned in Hosea. It's about the heart. It's one, and that's what we're getting at. We will, and we're going to talk a lot more about this next week as we look at the theme um, that the Lord looks at the heart. But for today, to wrap this one up today, we want to hit um, a very uh, practical but personal doable. And that's, as you're having your quiet time this week, ask God to show you an area of life where you need to be obedient. And this is something, it's, it's a scary thing to do because you might be afraid of what he points out. But really, be open and be honest with him because there's nothing that you can hide from God. So instead, just say, Lord, I give you full access, full reign. Point out to me an area that you want me to be more obedient in. Ask, ask. you can even use this quote verbatim. Say, Father, is there an area of rebellion in my life that you want me to surrender to you? And then as, as you're having this quiet time, write down whatever comes to mind. This will help you be mindful as you go about your days because it allows you to have something to focus on to, and to be aware of and to be um, intentionally surrendering and, and repenting 
back to God. Yeah, this is an opportunity to um, to deal with the compartmentalizing that happens with our lives. And you might start to realize, you know, I really haven't I really haven't let God into my work life, or I really haven't let God into a friendship, or I really haven't, you know, brought God into my marriage, or you know that kind of stuff. So y- you have an opportunity here to start looking at the different realms of your life and being like, you know, am I just doing this on Sundays? You know, am I is is listening to Doable Discipleship the biggest step of growth that I take throughout the week? Am I really surrendering to God as a as a total person? Um, maybe it's little things like, you know, I need to change up the, the podcast that I listen to. I need to, I need to stop watching some of the stuff that I watch, you know, on Netflix, or I need to change up the way I behave, the way I speak to my boss or that kind of stuff. It's okay to keep listening to this one, by the way. This is a podcast that I'm pretty (laughs) sure God's cool with. (laughs) Um, but yeah, the point is look at your life as a, as a, as a, uh, as a total package. You know, what are the areas of your life where God just doesn't have dominion yet? And then seek to give him control of those areas and confess, you know, say, God, I'm sorry that I haven't brought you into this area of my life. That's changing now. Give me the strength to do this. Give me the wisdom to do this. Give me the support that I need to do this. Uh, maybe it means getting accountability from somebody who can who can help you along that journey. Um, but discover the areas of your life where there's still rebellion because we know that everything that we do wrong is is covered by Jesus, and we know that he's faithful to forgive us. But we also know that as his kids, we have a responsibility to follow God and to obey his commands, to do the things that are right. Um, and that's how we, that is how we um, kind of interlock ourselves with the kingdom of heaven and become the person he wants us to be. Yeah, and don't forget, every all of the themes that we've talked about so far, too, is yes, God is serious about rebellion and sin, but God is merciful and gracious, and loving, and forgiving. So don't forget that each of these parables is really amplifying this picture of God. And so even though it may sound scary to open up this part and say, Lord, uh, point out to me in my life things that are unpleasing to you, it's because God is is serious about them that we, that we need to do it. But mm. it's also knowing that he is merciful, and forgiving, and loving. Yeah. Uh, last comment I'll say, this could be a good exercise to do with your small group as well. So you might want to just take some time together and say, you know, I I was listening to something this week, kind of feel convicted by this. And I think, um, it might be good for us to just kind of join together and have a conversation, pray together, and then, and then support one another with some accountability going forward. Cause we Christians have the responsibility to reprove one another and, and help guide one another toward, um, the best possible, uh, life in obedience to God. I think that's it for today. We're going to pick it up next week talking about the Lord looks at the heart. That's going to be a fun conversation and I think a really important one because Jesus certainly thought it was important. He talked about it all the time. So signing off, Doug Jones, Jason Whelan, we love you. We'll see you next time. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of video content. And if you're already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcasts on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app, so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. 
Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Thank you.